I want to start from Matthew 27. I want to read this, this seemingly gloomy stuff. And then we're going to take it off from there. Because we want to talk about Jesus Christ. And one of the things you need to understand with Jesus Christ is the, the importance of the sacrifice. The importance of the pain. The importance of all the atrocities that were committed against Jesus. And so you, the gospel is incomplete until you understand the cost that a paid the price that he paid you know we often say that salvation is free but you know very well that it's only free for the recipient but it's not free at all in fact salvation is the most expensive thing on earth so we should never be deluded that it is free because when we think it is free then and we don't understand that it's only free to us then we'll not appreciate the the the, the, the size of the price we'll not appreciate appreciate how serious it was and what had to be paid for it to be purchased and then to be given to you free of charge uh, it, it's like someone buying you if you're not into say wristwatches and someone just bought you a wristwatch that let's even not go too far let's just say the wristwatch is 500 pounds but you're not into wristwatches when you pick it up you look at it it's no different from a 14.99 wristwatch you see so when you you deal with it are you going to relate with that wristwatch as a 14.99 wristwatch it will have to be that somebody will sit you down and explain to you that you know what this isn't a 14.99 wristwatch this it's a uh, 499 pounds wristwatch or 999 pounds wristwatch but if you're not into wristwatches and you don't understand that everything looks the same praise god everything looks the same you know sometimes people will have a massive wristwatch in their hand and it will just be doing bling 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 you know you just need to understand that it's not as expensive as you think it might just be 499 on ebay from china you understand but then if you understand wristwatch someone might have a wristwatch that it's not even shining at all it just looks dull and normal but then it's probably worth ten thousand pounds but then it's amazing because you're gonna look and i'm not you're gonna try it at home you're gonna see a wristwatch that is half a million pounds and you put it beside one that it's only 9.99 and uh, you'll struggle to know the difference half a million pounds then you struggle because you don't understand it personally i discover also that a lot of people don't know gold people think they do but they don't Give them fake gold. An original gold, many people will pick fake. Because sometimes the fake might be shining more. When it comes to salvation, if you do not understand the cost of it, you're going to treat it as if it's $9.99. But if you know the cost of salvation, if you know the pain of it, if you understand when the Bible says that nobody can pay for a life, when you understand the meaning that what, what shall he profit a man if he gains the whole word and then loses his soul. In other words, the wealth of the <coughs> entire world, the wealth of the entire world cannot be compared to the salvation of one soul. When you understand the cost, the price of that, you will value it. So we get back to our wristwatch, and you know the value of your wristwatch. You're not gonna put it. So somebody thinking about is just an ordinary wristwatch. Why are you doing like this? Uh, 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 uh. You know they don't have a clue. 
This isn't $9.99. This is XYZ price. You know the value of it. So when you know the value of it, you're going to take care of it. You're going to embrace it. When you know the value of salvation, when you understand the price, when you know that Jesus Christ in the very nature is God, but consider it not robbery to be equal to God. In other words, his sacrifice is a majesty. Revelation chapter 5 said that God who has prevailed to open the book and all the elders and everybody that stood away, they couldn't do it. But the Bible says that then I saw the lion of the tribe of Judah. He has prevailed to open the book. And then, and then the lion prevailed and when he said, when I looked, I saw a lamb that was slain. The movement of Jesus Christ from majesty to nothing else. The denial of reputation, the conversion from the lion of the tribe of Judah to the sheep that was led to the slaughter and opened up its mouth. You see, see, the the, the difference, the movement from the highest to the lowest, it's amazing. And you got to understand that. You got to understand that the guy on the cross called Jesus, who was led to the slaughter and like a sheep cannot talk, but then was slaughtered like a nobody. If you grasp that Jesus Christ is the maker of the heavens and the earth, if you know that the Bible says that this is the same Jesus that was in the beginning, when the Bible says in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and that nothing was made outside of him. When you understand, it's the same Jesus that was led like an idiot and a suffering person and was beaten and pushed and you know treated like trash just to go to the cross. If you understand that, your dimension of salvation will change. Your, your perception of what you have will change. You will suddenly realize that if you are saved, you have more abundance and more wealth and more, more, more in all things than anything that this world would ever provide. But there are so many people who come to church, they don't understand this thing. Because, you know, we, we embrace the fact that it's free. Salvation is free to all. Salvation is free, but it's true. But the question you need to always ask yourself, is it really free? Somebody paid. And the question, paid what? What is the size of the sacrifice for the whole world and the child that will be born tomorrow? paid for and so at a time like this I, I, that's why I just sometimes you talk about Jesus you can talk about the glorious aspect of Jesus Christ the power the everything but if you really want to grasp the cost of the salvation then you're going to look at some of the sacrifice of Jesus so what I want to talk about today it's, it's just simply you know just some experience of Jesus Christ on the cross just a little bit of it you can talk about this alone for, for days and do lectures on it so I'm reading Matthew 27. I know we've not read it yet. Don't worry. Matthew 27, I'll read from 39 to 44. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and feeling sorry for him. <laughs> you know, they were passing by and they're just like, <laughs> they're looking at Jesus. Like, <laughs> Look at this guy. This guy's, this guy's a clown. As a cloud, look at idiots. Look at him on the tree. Idiots. Look at him. They were looking at him like a clown. They were looking. It he, he, he was funny. And the Bible said they were shaking. They were wagging their heads means they were just shaking their heads. Look. You know when you look at somebody, it doesn't like <laughs> The Bible said they were wagging 
the earth saying, you who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, in other words, deceiver. I am dead idiot. You just think you can do everything? They were talking to Jesus. They said, you who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, save yourself. Save yourself. If you are the son of God, at least you'll be lying since. Come down from the cross. You should have enough power to come down. They were not lying. They were right. He could do all of those things. Take note of that. Likewise, even the chief priests, the ones that are respected with their big regalia, with their long beards, joined in the party to disgrace Jesus. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking. And then the scribes, and then the elders, everybody. Passers by, you'll be all right, passers by. But then the custodians of the law, the high priests, the holiest of all of them, the two priests were the holiest. These were the people that entered into the holy of holies. The greatest of all men on earth, including the elders, said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. What a pity. If he is the king of Israel, let him now. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross. And we will believe him. You know I've told you this many times. God doesn't prove a point to anybody. If after I've finished fasting for 14 days, something has to move. You deceive yourself. Who has told you has lied to you? God doesn't. God is too big to be dragged into a race with you. And to, and to want to pass your test. The after 40 days and 40 hours, I will know. That, no, 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 no. There are times to do things like that. God will lead you to do it. You don't do it against his will. Hello? They said we will believe him. If he can come down from the cross. No, that's not the way he has designed for you to believe him. It's not going to change his system to please you. The way God has designed to be a blessing to you, alter it. You will have to come around to the place. He doesn't go around the corner to meet you in your own space. They said they will believe he will come down. Unfortunately, no, that's not the plan. Are we still together? He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now. If he will have him. In other words, even God. You know, because they believed in God. You need to understand that statement very well. They said, he trusted in God. They actually meant God, proper God. Let him deliver him now, if we have him. For he said, I'm the son of God. What they are saying is this. He lied that he trusted in God. That if it is true that he trusted in the God that we serve, God would have saved him. And that's why some other people of the other religion and many believe that Jesus didn't die on the cross. And so on and so forth. The Bible says even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Look at insult. But before I just go through a few thoughts, I want to read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. And that will just give you insight even before my explanations. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Therefore we also, 
Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares and let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us. Let me tell you where I'm reading, where I'm reading Hebrews in case you don't get it. What I want to do today in the short time that I've got is for you to see the pain of Jesus, to appreciate the cost of staying on the cross. But also I want you to get a parallel from it to see that even in your own life, you're going to experience life like Jesus. But you're going to stay on course. Okay? That's why I'm reading this. So. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Everybody say, endured the cross. Despising the shame, it was shameful. You just got to despise it. Don't you think when the guys were moving around and saying, idiots, look at you. Don't you think he wasn't shameful, but he despised it. Despising the shame. <laughs> and I sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. What he's trying to tell you is this. Look at Jesus and learn. People are going to ridicule you. They're going to shame you. They're going to say things they're not supposed to say. People you are holier than in court. People who are not supposed to talk at you will speak to you anyhow. He said, learn from Jesus. We might get to that later. So question. Why didn't Jesus come down from the cross? I know you know the answer. Because if he came down, you wouldn't be here. Why didn't Jesus come unto the earth? Let me just share these thoughts with you. It's simple today. I want you to go home and I want you to process this. And if you're listening to this online on Facebook or later on, I want you to process these thoughts. Number one, Jesus didn't stay on the cross because he was powerless and unable to come down. <laughs> Jesus didn't stay up there because he was powerless. He had no power to come down. They captured him. No. Jesus chose to be there. And in fact, it was because of his power. There was a great, now, now come on, listen to this. There was a greater power at work in the life of Jesus that subdued the need for the expression of its own power. Oh, you're not getting this. There is another greater power that was at work in him that he thought to himself, I'm not going to bow to this. Can I tell you this? It takes a greater power to be humble than to be arrogant. It takes a greater power to say sorry than not to say sorry. In the marriage, the person who says sorry is the powerful one. The one who struggles to say sorry is the weaker one. For those who are powerful will express apology because it doesn't take away from them. If you're not sure of who you are, when you apologize to people, part of you has gone. It shows you don't have self-esteem. Listen to this. If you know yourself and nothing takes away from you, you apologize freely and you don't even feel anything has gone out of you. You apologize 
apologize to your children and you don't feel like you've lost anything. You apologize to your spouse and you don't feel like you lost anything. It takes a greater power to do those things that we call small. So Jesus Christ wasn't staying on the cross because he had no power. It was because he had control. Listen to this. Power without control destroys. And in this case, self-control. Because then if I don't say self-control to bring your mind to the Bible, then you'll be thinking I'm talking about control as in controlling things and controlling people. I'm talking about the personal self-control of an individual. It's superior. It's more powerful. And that's why there are so many powerful people in the world today, they still don't have self-control. Their power is limited. Oh, you're not getting this. There is a higher power that is not just the ability to do anything you like, but a higher power to choose to do what is required. The self-control to tell yourself, you can blow it up, but don't blow it. Just like, you know, that president that people were afraid that it was too er erratic, that it can blow everything up. You know what I'm talking about if you know current affairs and you understand politics. And this guy can just wake up one day and just say, Pah, let's destroy this place, you know. <laughs> because if you lie, if you are power and without control, it will destroy. But Jesus had power, but he had control. He knew exactly what he had to do. I'm going to tell you something. Some of us are going to be in the places of power by the grace of God. Some of these children are going to rise big and mighty. But when you get there, you need control. You need control. You need to know what to do. You need to have the capacity to do what to do. So Jesus didn't stay on the cross because, you know, he was powerless. He could have done whatever he wanted to do. He could have come down. You know all those ones they were saying, if you are the son of God, come down. What is the big deal? Somebody who could come down from heaven. Come on. Don't be silly. What is their name? Chief priest. Someone who came down from heaven. Someone who has the capacity to become flesh and the word became flesh. Oh, come on. Somebody who had been there to make the heavens and the earth and the cross. He had every power possible to come down, but he had control. Everybody say control. He had control. He had control. He could measure. It. You see, that's in, in, in emotional intelligence, that's what he calls self-regulation. Hello? That's self-regulation. He could regulate himself. He was in control of his own emotions. He was in control of his own life. So while they were abusing him and pushing him and despising him and making him feel so bad, he was, he was, he was Jesus was a master of emotional intelligence. He had self-regulation. He regulated himself. He regulated himself to the appropriate place that was necessary for the delivering of his purpose. He had control. Let, let me just quickly go on. He didn't stay there because he deserved it. Hello? You know, if you've done something wrong, you can say, well, this is my Lord. What can I do? It's because I broke your plate. That's why you're punishing me. No. Jesus didn't stay there because he deserved it. There are times where you have to endure something even though you didn't deserve it. There are times you have to take, you have to take insult that you didn't deserve. It's part of power and control. It's the real strength of the inside. Take what you don't deserve. If God has dealt with us according to what we deserve, if the law begins to mark iniquity, how many of us will stand? Even, even your thoughts this morning, 
in the olden days could have made the floor to open his mouth and consume you. But you're still here. Your thoughts against one brother yesterday got just overlooked because of his grace. In the same way, you need to get ready that there are things that will happen to you that you will look at the end and you will take insults you don't deserve. Married people, we're going to next year. The, the, the pain and the agony that happened in marriages in the past two, three, four years has been, has been horrendous. It's, it's just it's catastrophe. It's, it's, it's bad. But let me give you a warning, husbands and wives. If you're too arrogant and you can't take pain even when you're doing the service, you don't need your marriage. Because the other person might not even mean to do you evil. They might do it with sincerely wrong. But if we're too full of ourselves to claim reputation and to be in charge and never want to take any debt from anybody, you can't be like Jesus. He didn't deserve to be there. He could just have walked down the place. And you imagine if Jesus decided to walk down from the cross? Everybody there would be dead. A change of mind of Jesus not to die on the cross, that's it done. You see, I, I can't even begin to imagine how many things Jesus could have done not to die on the cross. How many? It's a, the entire power of the whole universe is within its, its, its sphere of influence. Everything. Everything. Oh, thou powerful brother, be careful how you use your power. But let me tell you something. I like this. Because while we're saying all this, some people might want to stay on the cross to prove a point. Jesus didn't stay on the cross to prove a point. Anybody got that? He didn't stay there to prove how powerful he was. You know what? I know I'm going to resurrect. Oh, come on, put in the nails. Put it, put it, put it, put it on. Put in the nails. I'm so powerful. Yeah, I'm proving the point. You know, you know I'm very humble. <laughs> oh, bless you, sister. You know, when you don't greet people like that, they won't respect you. <laughs> you are proving a point. You are proving a point. The way you talk, the way you carry yourself, sanctimoniously more important than Jesus. You understand? You are the holiest of holy. Your walk is very, is, is immaculate walk, like Holy Mary. You're, you're, you're proving a point. Listen to this. It's arrogance. No matter how you pretend to be humble if you are arrogant you are arrogant in fact most people who appear to, the, to be humble are the most arrogant people I don't have time today I can prove it most people who appear to be humble are very arrogant because they deliberately present themselves to offer you a reputation oh come on you're not getting this they offer you a reputation but real humble people listen to this follow jesus christ philippians chapter 2 will make themselves offer no reputation so every time you're conscious of presentation to prove a point or to appear very holy now i'm not saying you shouldn't carry yourself well all right I'm not saying you should just walk anyhow if you want to do like this. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying you shouldn't have self-respect. I'm not saying all of that. What I'm saying is, don't live your life to prove a point. Jesus didn't stay on the cross to prove a point to anybody. He was just doing what he had to do. Amen. 
It wasn't proving the point. He wasn't trying to show the people, you can see how powerful I am. Before, before you kill me, I'll go be dead by myself. I'm not you, no, 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 no. He wasn't proving a point. Don't live your life to prove a point to anybody. It's a wasted life. The only competition you have is you, your purpose. What you did yesterday, you want to do better than yesterday today to fulfill purpose. That's all. Full stop. Don't prove a point to anybody. Don't show people how intelligent you are. If you want to explain things to people, do it with sincerity of heart. You want them to learn, not to prove to them that you know it. Of course, some people are going to misjudge you like they misjudge see, Jesus. Some people are going to think you're a liar, you're just trying to prove a point. Uh, but that's fine. You see, it's not what people are saying that really matters. It's what goes on in your heart. Don't prove a point to anybody. Don't live your life like that. I it, don't do it. Look at somebody, tell the person you are like Jesus. I want to read John chapter 4, oh my God. John, John 10, 13 to 18. Thank you, Jesus. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Jesus speaking here. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I'm known by my own. Do you know him? As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. Amen. Listen to this. Listen to this. Seek control. Everybody say control. He says, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not yet of this fold. Them also I must bring in. Talking about the Gentiles. And they will hear my voice like you and I. And there will be one flock and one shepherd, Jesus Christ. Therefore, my father loves me. Why wouldn't my father love me? Why wouldn't his father love him when your life is to do his will? He says, therefore, my father loves me. You know why? Because I lay down my life that I may take it again. Jesus was enforced by God to die for us. Hello? That was why in Revelation chapter 5, some people stepped back. They were not ready to open and break the seal. He chose to do it. He chose to do it. And when he committed to it, his will was still with him. And that was why he had to pray one time, the Lord, <laughs> I don't feel like this thing I've signed to is, <laughs> is this important. I don't want to die for these people. And then, but then God also still didn't force him. Read your Bible. He said to himself, not my will but yours be done. Are you following me? No one. Whoo, look at century. Third person, Jesus was not killed. He chose to die. Listen to this. In case you're thinking, Pastor made it up. No one, no one takes it from me. No one takes it from me. You know, you get to understand how powerful Jesus was. He chose to die for you. I'm telling you. He could have left the cross. He could have walked down. Look at something. person. You are so important. You are so, so important to God. We are important. He chose to do it. He loves us so much. He chose to do it. I want you to see the value of what he did for you. He chose to do it. He said, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I decided I'm going to stay on that cross. I'm going to stay there. They're going to put the nails in. I'm going to stay there. I'm going to suffer it. He said, I have power 
to lay down. And I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. I have power to do it. Wow. 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 So why did he stay there? Why did he stay there? Let me just tell you a few things. Number one. Love kept him on the cross. For God so loved the world. That he gave. Gave his only begotten son. Love kept him there. Jesus a greater love had no man than this. Than a man will lay down his life. For his friends. Love kept him there. In case you were thinking, does God really love me? Just think about the fact that Jesus could have walked away from the cross. He stayed there because he loves you. Love kept him there. Another thing that kept him there, destiny. Purpose kept him there. He knew exactly what he was doing. He wanted to save humankind. When you are driven by God's purpose, it will keep you on track. There will be distractions. There will be failings. There will be mistakes. There will be errors. There will be a lot of stuff. But it keeps you there. The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He endured hostility from sinners. Love kept him there. You know another thing that kept him there? obedience to the will of God. Because he got to a place before he got to get some man, he said, God, 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 before he got to, he got to the cross, he said, if it is possible, if it's possible, God, just listen to this one little thing. If it's possible, let this cup pass over me. Cried and cried and cried. But he couldn't, he couldn't afford to disobey the will of God. Obedience kept him there. It was hard. Listen to this. There will be so many things for you and I that God would want you to do that will be extremely hard. But if you're committed to doing the will of God, obedience will keep you on track. And if that, if that is staying on the cross, you're going to be on the cross and be nailed to that cross. But you're going to stay there. <laughs> yes. You're going to stay there. If that means that you're going to be in a relationship, you know, that you're trying to trust God for, you're going to stay there. If you, listen to this. If, you, if it means that you're on a job, but you don't like the job yet, and things are not happening the way you like it, but God says you're staying there, you're going to stay there. You would have the capacity to endure it. Even when you have hostilities, you will endure it because obedience to the will of God keeps people on track. Obedience to the will of God. I'm telling you the truth. If you, that's why Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Obedience will keep me on the cross. Obedience will keep you there. Obedience kept Jesus there. He wasn't proving a point. You know what kept him there? Very close to the purpose one. His eyes was straight on the goal. Look ahead. It's very important. Many of us have dreams and aspirations that we've buried. Pick it up. Find your gift into flame. There's a greater dimension in front of you. Don't shut down your destiny. Don't back out because things are not working. His eyes were on the goal. 
His eyes were on the goal. He knew what he was trying to do. And because of that, I'll add this one. He had a right perception of his troubles and challenges. He, he understood it. Oh my God, I could stay on this for a long. He understood it. If you understand why you're going through what you're going through, not precisely to be able to explain everything, but you understand the will of God, the plan of God, you grasp why this is happening, it gives you inner strength to remain. When you understand, everybody say understand. He had a right perception, a perfect understanding of his troubles and challenges. Let me back up to Luke chapter 12 very quickly. I think it's 49, thereabout. You know, there was a time Jesus said, do you think I've come on earth to create peace? He said, I've come to set fire. He said, but I have a baptism to undergo. That was before he got to the cross. He said, I have a baptism. He said, and how straight, that's King James, how difficult it is for me until that is accomplished. He understood before he got there, he understood that he had to face it. He understood. So whilst he was going through it, hallelujah, he knew it was going to come to an end. He knew it was going to lead him to something else. He already knew that. Glory to God. Anybody here know that your present suffering is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in you shout yes. yes. He was going through it. But he already knew, he understood that this is just for a while. He knew the weeping man drove for the night, but joy comes in the morning. He knew it. He told them. He said, I know where I'm going. I know my ministry. I know what I'm trying to do. He said, but I have a baptism to undergo. He said, it's hard for me. It's difficult for me because I got to go through it. But I know after I've been through it, everything is going to change. Hallelujah. Everything is going to change. Everything is going to change. Hallelujah. I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump because of time. I'm just going to jump to this. Let me read the scripture. Yet it pleased the Lord, Isaiah 53, 10 to 12. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord. This is the cost of your salvation. It pleased the Lord. God was excited. Uh -uh. To put into grief. So when you make his soul an offering for sin, his soul an offering for sin, but you know the joy of it, he said, it shall see his seed. You're going to kill him to give birth to more people. You're going to put him to grief to bring joy to many people. You're going to nail him to the cross to set people free from the bondage of sin. The Bible says all the handwritten codes that were against us, the Bible says they were nailed to the cross. Hallelujah. He shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days. We are continuing the days of Jesus. Oh, you're not getting that. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in Jesus' hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him in portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. And it was numbered with the transgressors. You remember that? When he had sinners and thieves beside him, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressions. God was glad to breathe him. 
But it stayed there. It stayed there. I pray that you will stay on course and stay on purpose. But sometimes, the place you need to stay is a very narrow space. It's like salvation. The Bible says, enter by the narrow gate. Matthew chapter 7 verse 13. It's like that. You need to learn to stay in line. But let me say this before I close. You would notice something about Jesus Christ. I want to share this with you. You know, I was talking about control. You will notice things about Jesus and I want you to process this in your life. When Jesus Christ was in the wilderness dealing with Satan, can I tell you something? It was easier. I always tell people this. If I'm dealing with people, if I'm counseling with people, and then if I can see that their problem, I don't see it often. <laughs> but if I can see that their problem is satanic or is the devil, then I don't see that they have any problem. Oh, you're not getting this. You see, for many of us, when it's Satan, that's when you think that it's a major problem. Me, if I detect that it's Satan, then for me, it's no longer a problem. That's the truth. Anything about my life, when I'm dealing with people, if I see that this is Satan at work, then it's the easiest problem. You know why? Because the guy's been defeated. Jesus said, I saw him fell like a lightning from heaven. He said, no power of the enemy shall by enemies in any way hurt you. He says, no weapons from against you shall prosper. Now, I believe scripture. When I am counseling people and I see that this is Satan, then to me it's no longer a problem. People just need to see it. You don't have no problem with Satan. Now, come and get this. Listen carefully to this. You know, Jesus Christ... Whilst he was in the wilderness, hungry, and was dealing with Satan. Do you want to tell you the truth? It was easier. It was easier. Did he go to God to pray? Oh, come on, follow this now, because this is... I'm just, just quickly, for, just for, for, for a few minutes, let's, let's unpack and unravel some theologies. Now, did he pray? That's not to say that you don't pray when you're dealing with Satan, but I'm trying to make a point. Did he pray? What did he do? He just dealt with it. Three times he dealt with it. There was not a single time that he went to God. There was not a single time that he cried. There was not a single time that he wept. There was not a single time he's like, God help me. God help me. Now when you're dealing with Satan, you can wield more power. It is more difficult to deal with you. Oh, you're getting this. It is more difficult to deal with you than deal with Satan. And that's why most of the things that we think is Satan is not Satan, it's us. It's you, it's not Satan. It's easier to deal with Satan. When Jesus was dealing with Satan, it was, it was easy. Hey, come on, stop it. It's been written. I shall not tempt the Lord that God. It's been written. Man shall not live by bread alone. Get deep behind me, sit and walk away. It was easy. He was wielding and power. He was in charge. He was in authority. You, you can see the majesty, the power. When he was speaking to, and then when you wield, when you're in a good place, when he's speaking to Pharisees and Sadducees, come and see oppression. Jesus, woe to you Pharisees, woe to you, what do you want me to do for you? Blah, blah, do you dare food here to eat? Let's get the 5,000 to eat food. Let's get it. Listen to this. The real battle of life is you. Even Jesus, that was the most difficult, is when it has to be between you and God. Jacob wrestled with God. 
but it wasn't a problem to deal with people. He can comfortably, easily connive with his mom and finish the destiny of his own. That wasn't hard. But when God says, what is thy name? Uh-huh. Flex your muscles as you like. Let's talk about you. Listen to this. I want to tell you this. I don't know why I'm saying this. As you are moving into the new year, stop pointing accusing figures on people. Sit down. Ask yourself questions and sort yourself out. So Jesus now, in fulfilling his purpose and staying with his ministry, took it very, very important. That what needed to be dealt with here was in Satan. You know, he didn't deal with Satan. Oh, can, can I tell you another one? You know, when they came to arrest him, and then Peter was trying to cut off somebody. He said, no, 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 no. This is the hour of darkness. Leave them alone. You know why? Because before that, he has dealt with himself. He had gone to God and settled the matter. He said, God, let's sort these things out. God said, no, this is the way we're sorting it out. Okay, 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 let's get this cup over me. God said, no, the cup is not going over you. You, can, you do whatever you like, but I'm not going to take the cup away. He said, okay, then, if you're not taking it away, and I've got to drink this cup, okay, let your will be done. And then he left and moved away, and then it's personality moved on again and then he spoke with authority again and then he told the disciples oh you're still sleeping keep on sleeping i'm all right you know and then people came to arrest him and say ah take it easy calm down i'm not running anywhere you know and then and then his disciples wanted to fight and they say calm down there's no need to fight because he has settled the most difficult thing to settle i want you to close your eyes I've told us two things at the beginning. I said, I want you to see the cost, the, the greatness of the sacrifice of Jesus. But I also want you to draw a parallel so that we can also learn from it. I'm, I'm, I hope that I've been able to do that. But beyond that, I pray that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you more than the things that I've said. That you're able to see the magnitude of this great sacrifice. And also, you have been able to grasp a parallel for yourself. 